Well, as I said, we have a special guest with us preaching today, and I'm so eager to invite her and introduce her. Uh, we had our Lead Bold Conference here the last two days where we had over 150 ministry leaders here, and Sharon was our keynote. And we couldn't resist the opportunity to also share her with our Crosswinds community. Um, Sharon is an author. She is a speaker. She is a teaching pastor at her church. Uh, she retired recently but didn't slow down at all. <laughs> and um, I wanna, I'm so glad to have her. Um, afterwards, if you want to come and meet her or pray with her, she'll be down front. Um, if, uh, she is an author of 12 books. I don't know how she had the time to do it, but uh, we do have some of her books available out at the information kiosk after if you'd like to stop by there. Uh, but here's the thing about Sharon. Um, when she comes up, you're going to see that she's a really classy lady. And you're going to look down at what you're wearing and you're going to feel like a slob. But don't worry. Don't be fooled. Sharon is not afraid to get into the nitty gritty, into the dirt, into the hard work of what it is to be a follower of Jesus. So we are so excited to have her. Would you give a warm Crosswinds welcome to Sharon Norris Elliott. Good morning. Um, my fault, I didn't check the dress code before I left home. I bring you greetings from Christ Second Baptist Church in Long Beach, California. If you are ever in the area, remember, Christ Second Baptist Church. Come down. Um, we dress down in the summertime, but I go to a black Baptist church. Okay, so you get it, right? <laughs> Ladies, wear your hats, yeah. right? Okay. <laughs> We're going to talk this morning about if I really believe life is short. If I really believed it. Well, I started to believe life was short when I had kids, right? It just seemed like yesterday I was potty training, and the years just flew past, and then they were graduating from high school, and now they've been presenting me with grandchildren. What? Life is short. You just have 18 summers. Man. Every birthday, I realize life is short. When I was 17, 35 was old. <laughs> and then I got to 35. And then 60 was old. Then I got to 60. And now 80? Well, let me just say, old gets older the older I get. <laughs> I'm rooting for myself now. I have plans. I have things to do, but I realize what? Life is, I told, okay, I see I have to train y'all. <laughs> I told you I go to a black Baptist church. <laughs> I am used to hearing, okay, wake up. <laughs> all right, all right. I am used to what? That life is short, okay. So there are probably now more years behind me 
than there are in front of me. But like I say, I still have plans. I still have things I want to do. Because I want my life to count, and I know that life is short, I'm going to listen a little bit to Francis Schaeffer, who was a theologian, a philosopher, and he was a Presbyterian pastor who asked the question, and we had to read his book when I was in college. I went to Biola. Ooh. <laughs> right. How should we then live? Well, the Bible agrees <laughs> that life is short. Job 14.1 tells us, man who is born of woman is of a few days and full of trouble. Knowing that the Bible is full of truths that relate to everything, I went there to try to find out the answer. Well, since life is short, how should I then live? And I came up with three answers. So there are three options that you could take. You ready? Okay, option one, you can live it up. Live it up. When we look at Luke chapter 12, we see a story, not a story, an account. I get in trouble about that all the time. It's an account because it's true. You guys know what I mean by story. Okay. <laughs> we read about a man complaining to Jesus about his brother. And he said, Jesus, could you get this guy? He will not even give the inheritance, he will not even share the inheritance with me. And instead of Jesus saying, yes, I'm going to get the guy, <laughs> Jesus shared a parable with him. He said, listen, there was this rich farmer, and he had a really good year. And in that good year, he decided, you know what? I've had such a great year. I'm going to tear down my small barns, and I'm going to build bigger barns, and I'm going to put all my stuff in the bigger barns, and then I'm going to sit back, and I am going to say to my soul, eat, drink, and be merry. He was blessed. He was overflowing. But he made one mistake. He decided to keep it all to himself so he could do what? Live it up. Well, that reminded me of a story I heard of a rich man who had died, and his funeral was going past. And there were a lot of people standing and watching the funeral go past. And they heard somebody in the crowd say, how much did he leave? And the answer was, all of it. Or that rich man's friend who died also and told his wife, I want you to bury all my money with me. I'm not leaving anything for anybody. So he died. They had the funeral. And so someone went to the widow, the, you know, the wife, and said, did you, did you honor that request? She said, sure I did. Just before they closed the casket, I gave him a check. <laughs> if he can cash it where he's going, he can have it all. 
<laughs> well, God said to this man in the parable, fool, this night your soul is required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So it is with those who lay up treasure for themselves, and they are not rich toward God. Since life is short, you can choose to live it up and live it just for yourself. But Jesus is not complimenting this choice. Choice number two, you can go the opposite way. You can say, since life is short, forget it and just shrivel up. I can't face it. We look at this choice in 1 Kings 17. For in 1 Kings 17, we find a widow who is ready to shrivel up. She has one little amount of meal left and one little amount of oil. And she's made a decision about it. But before she's able to carry out that decision, the prophet Elijah comes to her and says, would you make me a little cake? There's a famine going on. And she says to him, no, I have this much meal, and I have this much oil, and I'm gathering a couple of sticks, and I am going to light these sticks. I'm going to cook this one cake for myself and my son. We're going to eat it, and we're going to die. She had shriveled up. But if you read earlier in the passage, the Bible says that God had commanded the widow to take care of Elijah. Now, if he had commanded her in advance to take care of Elijah, why did she refuse when he first came to her? You want the answer? I don't know. <laughs> the Bible doesn't tell us. <laughs> All I can tell you is that that's what she said. <laughs> but then Elijah said, look, make a little cake for me first. And God is going to promise you that your meal will not end. Your crews will not run out. You will have enough until the famine is over. And what did she do? She said, then, okay, probably like us, okay, right? Life is short, and hard times are going to come, and you will probably be tempted to shrivel up. But God's word has promises that you can count on. God's word will never come back void, but it will always accomplish what he sends it out to do. So when you get discouraged, when you're ready to shrivel up, don't do it. Look to God's word. I promise you, God's word speaks to every 
situation you could possibly face. And there's a promise in there. All miracles are ridiculous. Do you realize you don't need a miracle until you're in trouble? You know, we go, oh, I want a miracle. No, you, you probably don't. Because you don't want to be in the position to need one. <laughs> but trust and believe when you need one, we have a God. We have a God who specializes in miracles. Matter of fact, crises, emergencies, hopeless situations are when God does his best work. You can live it up. You can shrivel up. But I suggest that knowing life is short, the answer should be that you will deliver it up. This is your final choice. And we see this in the book of John in chapter 5. Jesus and his disciples are, are walking through town, and they happen to walk past a place called the Pool of Bethesda. And here's a place where a multitude, the Bible says, of sick folk have gathered. Why have they gathered there? Because it is said that every now and then an angel comes down and troubles the waters, and when the angel troubles the waters, then if you step in first, you get healed. Now, if you knew of a place like this, right, I bet you if you were sick, you would go there. Don't we go to the places that heal us? Certainly. We hate to go to the dentist, <laughs> but get a toothache. I bet you go. Why do you go? Because you know that's a place where you could get healed. <laughs> I love my dentist <laughs> because I hate toothache. <laughs> right? We go where we know we could get help. That's why you're here on Sunday morning. You go where you know you can get help. Well, if I knew of this place, I'd go too. And this man had gone. This man had gone to this place 38 years before this day when Jesus and his disciples walked past. Now, the Bible doesn't say he was 38 years old. He went there and had been there for 38 years. He might have been sick when he was 30 and then went there, and so now he's 68. I taught... English, not math. I think I did that right. Okay, good. Okay. But he'd been there a long time, right? So I'm going to, again, I'm going to use my homiletical, exegetical imagination. I have to use big words because I did graduate from school. And I'm sure he showed up at that pool with high hopes. You know, when you haven't been sick very long, you feel like, oh, I probably won't be sick too long. No, I'll get better. And he showed up. And probably the first time the water was troubled, 
Somebody got in before him. Like, okay, I got it. I see how it works. <laughs> 38 years, y'all. 38 years. He had had no one to put him in the pool. So his high hopes began to diminish. And pretty soon that those high hopes became stolen hope. Every time someone else stepped in first. Years of disappointment. <clears throat> You've been waiting for that family member to come to know Christ. Years of disappointment. You've been waiting for that particular job opportunity. Years of disappointment. You've been waiting to be married. Years of disappointment. But Jesus walked by. And when Jesus walked by, Jesus said to him, do you want to be made well? His answer should have been, but that wasn't his answer. His answer was based upon his stolen hope. He had gotten so used to being disappointed that he only knew to respond based on what he had held in his hope for so long, what had even Gone, gone away. He, he just knew that this is the only way and, and it wasn't happening, but I'm not leaving. I refuse to leave. But so what he said to Jesus was, I have nobody to put me in the pool. Not realizing that he was speaking to the Lamb of Life. Do you want to be made whole? Jesus ignored his stupid answer. <laughs> and don't you thank God that he will ignore our stupid answers too? Do you want to be made whole? The answer should be? Yes. And it should be a, an, an excited Good. You're getting better. You're getting better. Right? It should be, yes. Oh, Jesus, it's you. <laughs> yes. In the last scene of Schindler's List, Oscar Schindler came to the realization that he was not just making money. He was actually saving lives. If you remember that movie, he looked at the car, and he said, this could have been five lives. He had, his, he had his pen. He said, this could have been two lives. This could have been three lives. We have to realize that life is short, and we are supposed to be about the business of life. That's what Goodness Village is about. 
I'm glad I know about Goodness Village. I know that if I ever get in a jam, I'm headed up to Livermore. <laughs> we need to start waving our spiritual Miranda rights. You have the right to remain silent. No, you don't. We have to tell everybody that there's a hell to miss and a heaven to gain. Anything we say can and will be used against us. We need to stop worrying about public opinion and speak up for the kingdom of God. We have the right to speak with an attorney. Our attorney has already, is already pleading our case. <laughs> Pro bono. <laughs> He's paid for it with his blood. Since life is short, live significantly. Discover and use your gifts for God. Spend quality time with friends and family. Take lots of pictures. Write things down for future generations. Leave a positive impression. Be authentic. Eat dessert first. <laughs> Take friends and family along on your bucket list trips. I still want to see the northern lights in person. Anybody? Okay, that looks like a mission trip to me. Okay. You may never have wanted to face the fact that there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. There's a savior to love and a devil to hate. But life is short. And despite exercise and yoga and vegan meals and all the kale we can eat, <laughs> we are on our way to our last day. Will you live it up? and keep it all to yourself? Will you shrivel up and say, forget it. It's just no good, I'm just gonna die. Or will you deliver yourself up to your creator, trusting him to make this short life a great life until you get to your best life with him forever? Since life is short, how should we then live? We should live it honoring our God and our King. Thank you.